one from now after john was arrested jesus came into galilee proclaiming the gospel of god and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of god is at hand repent and believe in the gospel and passing along the sea of galilee he saw simon and andrew the brother of simon casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen and jesus said to them follow me and i will make you to become fishers of men and immediately they left their nets and they followed him and going on a little further he saw james the son of zebedee and john his brother who were in their boat mending their nets and immediately he called to them and they left their father zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and they followed him so over the uh, coming uh, months we're actually going to be looking at um, discipleship um, and sort of working out further this uh, moving people in following Christ and so um, as we think about this little picture of Jesus calling the disciples and as we think about the disciples I found this little clip many of you might have seen it before uh, it's a bit of a, a, a funny uh, insight into what it might have been like uh, to be one of the disciples unfortunately we could only find a clip that happens to have Dutch subtitles. So if you want to go for the Dutch subtitles, you can do that as well. So let's have a look at this clip and then I'll... Does he know what time it is? <clears throat> I don't know. How long has he been talking? Three days. <laughs> Someone should talk to him. I agree. Somebody should talk to him. I think someone should talk to him. I'm not going to talk to him. Well, I'm not going to talk to him. I am not going to do it. Well, I'm sure not going to do it. Sometimes I don't even think he speaks our language. I mean, what if I go up there and he starts talking to me in one of those preamble things again because I don't know what he's talking about when he does that. I am completely parables. lost. Andrew, they're called parables. Whatever. They don't make any sense. A good measure pressed down and shaken up and running out over the mustard seeds <laughs> with the yeast of the Pharisees. What is that supposed to mean? <laughs> the yeast of the Pharisees. I have no idea. <laughs> you know what gets me? when he starts throwing around the numbers. Uh, you know how I am with numbers. I have a little problem with numbers. Uh, and I think he knows it, too. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> he, he looks at me like I'm supposed to know this stuff. Hey, Peter, 144. <laughs> hey, 
How about when he draws? <laughs> <laughs> you know, somebody asks a great question, everybody's leaning in to see what he'll say, and he's down here doodling in the dirt. <laughs> it's embarrassing. <sighs> you know, sometimes I just want to go up there and... Okay, okay, I will talk to him this time. You have to talk to him next time. Deal. Fisherman's handshake. Uh, Jesus? Yeah, could we, could we talk to you for a minute? Oh, oh, this won't take long, and then you can just get right back to it. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, we were just thinking that, that these folks have been here all day, and it's getting close to supper time, and we thought it might be a good idea for you to, to, to send them home so they could get something to eat. Beg your pardon? What did he say? He said, maybe we should get them something to eat. <laughs> right. <laughs> there are thousands of people here. With what? With what? We should find something. He says we should find something. What does it mean? I think it means we should find something. Okay, it could be one. Could be another one of those preamble things. He may be trying to tell us something it's we're not, not understanding. It's not a parable. He uses a different tone of voice when he speaks in parables. So what? We're supposed to literally find something? I, I don't have anything. You go this way. I'll go that way. You might be thinking, uh, what, what's that all that about? Over the next however many months, we're going to uh, walk our way through the, through the Gospels. And we're going to look at uh, what it means to move people in following Christ, or what does it mean to disciple people uh, by looking at the Gospels, looking at what Jesus did uh, with uh, his disciples. And sometimes I think uh, it's, it's not a bad idea to put ourselves in the position of the disciples and think about uh, some of the things that Jesus did with them uh, and how he interacted with them and some of the questions uh, that they had. Uh, because as we go through uh, the Gospels over the next number of months, uh, we're going to have uh, lots of questions. We're not always going to fully understand uh, things as well. And we're going to need uh, God's uh, help with that. So uh, before I get to preach, how about I just pray and we'll ask that God will uh, interact with us on this. Lord and God, Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have your word uh, that records for us how you discipled uh, the disciples, that you have uh, recorded in your word these stories, these experiences, these situations uh, that will help us in following you. 
that you will uh, that they uh, that these uh, that your word will also help us uh, to help others follow you. And so, Lord, uh, today and in the coming months, as we open up your word and as we look at your gospels, we ask that through your Spirit, that you would give us wisdom and insight and direction uh, into how we are to be making disciples. Will you speak to us and teach us? Will you give us open hearts to receive your word, to understand you and to know you uh, as we seek to follow you? So we pray now, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us in this time. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, I discovered this week that we're in the middle of the year. This is the middle Sunday of the year um, today. So I, I actually spent some time just having a look back at where we had come this year. And um, we've been sort of building through this year. Um, and I think it's good for us to know that um, we're part of sort of a, a journey uh, of teaching um, that we've come on this year. So I don't know if you remember at the beginning of the year, by, way back in January, we spent um, a fair bit of time looking at who God was and who we are because of him. We spent time looking at uh, what it meant for God to be uh, our husband, a loving father, a king, someone who grows us, and that it's uh, rooted in who God is and who we are uh, because of him um, that we can uh, follow Jesus and walk the road that he calls us to. That we spent some time uh, back in Ezra and Nehemiah and working through there, that we recognise that God unites his people to his vision and that as we're united to his vision, we begin to display him to the world. And a lot of uh, growing in following Christ is about being united to his vision for his people. We were reminded as we came through Easter that Jesus is Lord. And we challenged ourselves with the, uh, the question, what does that actually mean for us? It's nice to say it or it's a nice phrase, but what does it mean? That Jesus being Lord determines everything in our life. He determines our priorities, um, the little things and the big things in our lives. And then in recent times, we sort of uh, started looking at um, discipleship in the family context, family discipleship, as we um, celebrated lots of baptisms in May, and uh, we were reminded of God's promises to his people, and that uh, families uh, are often or are the main context of discipleship that um, God calls us to. And we uh, looked at well, how that looked like in our own individual family units, but also uh, as the church as well. Reminder to you that uh, all of these sermons are online, so you can go and uh, re-listen to them. Or if there was one that you, God spoke to you or you were sort of uh, connected with, just go back and listen to them. They are uh, there for you to do that as well. And as I've already alluded to, uh, the, the rest of the year... Um, probably, uh, we're going to um, look at um, Jesus' master plan of discipleship. How did Jesus move people in following him? Um, and we're going to spend time uh, going through the Gospels, probably a little bit into Acts as well, 
Um, and as I've said, what can we learn from the way that Jesus discipled his disciples, the way he interacted with the apostles, um, that we can put ourselves into these pictures and learn from it. We recognise, as we're going to go through this, we're going to recognise that uh, what Jesus with, did with his disciples was uh, for, he, for there and then, wasn't it? It was a very different culture um, than what we're in now. And so we're going to have to learn to discern uh, what was for them and there and what are some of the principles that we can take out of that and still apply today as we think about how we're following Jesus and about uh, how we can help others follow Jesus as well. So we're going to um, wrestle through some of that. So today's sort of sermon is a little bit of a, uh, an introdu- introduction to that. And uh, Joel and I were working on a bit this week and we've come up with this, um, the idea it's the master plan or the master's plan. Uh, how did Jesus do this, moving people in following Christ and what can we uh, learn from him? And so uh, as we do this, I want to keep you asking these two questions. Uh, If we go to the next slide, these two questions. Who is helping me follow Jesus? So who is helping you become a follower of Jesus? Can you think of those people? How are they doing that? Who would you like it to be? And the other one is who am I helping to follow Jesus? Uh, If you think back to Joel last week, um, he said, who's in the tent with you? Can you actually just... Think now, who are the names of those people? Who are the names that God has put by your side? Whether in your families, maybe in your workplaces, or through ministries here in this church. And you're thinking about how are you uh, discipling those that God has put in your path? We recognise that uh, it's not easy, is it? (laughs) We recognise that this following Jesus is something that we can't do by ourselves. And right the way through the Bible, um, God uh, reveals his plan as the people of God have to do this together. And so discipleship is very much about doing this journey together. Who are you doing with it? Who are you doing it with? How does that look for you? And so as we uh, go through these Gospels, uh, hopefully we'll start to answer some of those questions around the why and the how uh, of of doing this. And so this morning, I just want to have a little look at this passage from Mark that many of us would be familiar with. uh, And we'd be familiar with that phrase of, um, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Or uh, as... as I, that's how we often remember it, but I uh, came across this, or the ESV picks this up too. It says, follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. Uh, sort of the original languages has the idea that it's, it's not just a once-off event, that it's an ongoing process of becoming a follower of Jesus. Uh, and I think as we look uh, to the Gospels, we see that there was uh, a process that was involved for the disciples in their journey of following Jesus. I had an interesting... I oh know this came from um, Alan Hirsch, if you looked at any of those clips. He asked this question. He said, when you look at the disciples' lives, when did they become Christians? When did they become Christians? And first you think, oh, well, that's, that's, they always were, weren't they? Well, were they or weren't they? Because they 
didn't always fully understand who Jesus was. And at times they sort of got it, and then other times they were far from it. (laughs) Even to the point at the end, where there's the 11 of them left, as Jesus ascends to heaven, you know, the line that I often put, and some still doubted. Were they Christians then? Or did they have to wait until Pentecost to receive the Holy Spirit? Was that when they... be? And it's a little bit hard to pinpoint it, isn't it? I would say that probably somewhere along that three or four year journey, they became Christians. <laughs> they uh, understood who Jesus was. They understood him uh, as their Lord and Saviour. And they became uh, followers of him. And so I think that we are on a lifelong journey of becoming followers of Jesus. Uh, Yet we know uh, what it is to be saved. We know uh, that we are children of God uh, through what we've just celebrated. But we are still learning how to follow him. And that's what a disciple is. It's a learner. Someone who is a learner and a follower. Uh, And so that's what we need to be asking ourselves. How are we learning? Uh, What new things is God revealing to us? And so, as we look at Jesus' plan to invest in these 12 people or the 70 or the 120, there were 120 sort of disciples left. So remember the different definition, there were the disciples and then the apostles. The 12 apostles were the 12 that sort of went around. But then there were the other disciples uh, that followed him. Um, and so that when he uh, left the earth, there was about 120 um, gathered in the upper room, we reminded them of them. And so was, if we think about Jesus' plan um, on this earth, maybe even just ask yourself, what was his plan? Have you ever asked that? We had a discussion this week in the office. Why did Jesus come? <laughs> what was his plan? What was his mission on this earth? Was it just, as we read here, to make disciples, to make them fishers of men? Or was it much broader than that? And I think this is what we find as we go through the Gospels, uh, that we realize that Jesus' mission on earth, Jesus' plan on earth, was much broader and uh, more complicated than we first thought. So as we go through the Gospels, we're going to see him um, saying, as he said here, you know, Uh, He says, what have I come for? I've come to reveal the kingdom of God. I've got got to go to the villages and preach this. Uh, And I've come to seek and save the lost. That's why I'm here. But is that the only reason why he was here? Um, As we've just celebrated, when uh, when John the Baptist uh, saw him and some of John the Baptist's disciples went and followed Jesus, they said, here, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So there was definitely a broader plan as well. Jesus often says that he is here on earth to do his Father's will. He says, I only do what my Father says. And to a certain extent, Jesus is saying, follow me as I follow my Father. He uh, was on earth to reveal his Father to the world. Um, when we go through the book of Mark, which we will just a little bit in a minute, we will see that God, uh, Jesus is revealing himself as he does um, 
miracles, as he drives out demons, as he calms the storms. He's showing that he is God and he is revealing that his father sent him and he does that sort of privately with his disciples but then later on publicly as well. That he disciples the apostles when he's praying in John 17. He says, um, when he's praying to his father, he says, you know, I have uh, shown them, or those that you have given me, that you are my Father and that you sent me. And that's why he came, just to reveal that he'd been sent from the Father, um, that he had come to fulfill the law. Uh, remember, he said that not a dot is to be removed from the Mosaic law. And there's, remember, there's a difference between the Moses law and the Jewish law where they distorted. And he says, no, I've, I've come to fulfill that so that that can be yours in the end. He came to redeem them, and that idea is redeem, is to pay the price or to buy back, to restore his people, and he says to restore the lost people of Israel. He came to defeat Satan and death. He came to share the good news of the kingdom, Uh, and as he uh, taught his disciples to pray, what was sort of the line there? That your kingdom may come on earth as it is in heaven. He came to bring the kingdom, the kingdom on earth. So Jesus' master plan was much bigger than just making disciples. It was definitely uh, part and and, and critical and core to it, but it was much bigger than that. Um, Joel has up on above his, if you go into the office above his um, sort of desk, he's got this little picture And there's lots of these sort of pictures around because what we have to understand as we go to follow Jesus and we want to be followers of Jesus, we have to understand why he came and who he was. And that is under, we have to understand that in part of God's big plan. God's big plan from where, uh, from Genesis to Revelation, where he says, I'm coming to save my people, uh, to. to bring about uh, the restoration of my people. And we think there's lots of these different pictures. This was just one that I saw, that there's this idea of there's a creator God, that crisis sin comes in, that God calls out his people. There are cycles of sin and repentance. And then Christ comes in the middle of that. And then as Christ leaves, he sends his Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit then empowers the church. And the church is looking forward to the new creation where we will be back um, restored with God. And at the center of that is the cross. Jesus' uh, life and death, resurrection and ascension. That these two circles bring together the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God together. That we understand that God's kingdom is being brought onto earth through Jesus and who he was and what he did. And uh, if you look through the book of Mark, Mark is quite distinct in doing that. If you look through the first chap- eight chapters of Mark, and you can have a look through this during the week, if you have a look through the first eight chapters of Mark, Jesus is constantly revealing his power. His power over death, he raises people from the dead, his power over evil, he drives out demons, his power over nature, he calms storms, power over sickness because he um, heals people. Um, and he's revealing that he is God. And most of the, um, the first part of Mark in particular, he's saying, just keep it quiet at the moment. It's a regular, ref- just keep it quiet because uh, he's revealing that mostly to his disciples. He's showing his disciples who he is. And then you get to Mark uh, chapter 8, verse 29. 
And uh, Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say I am? Or who do people say I am? And then he asked them, who do, who do you say I am? And they say, you're the Christ, the King, the Messiah, the promised one that was going to come and save God's people. They recognized who he was. And then the very next line, then Jesus says, this King, this, this king that's come, the Messiah, I'm going to the cross. I'm going to die. And I have to die for you. And so then what, is, what happens then? Jesus confronts his disciples and he says, like, get behind me, Satan, because they try and stop him from doing that. They don't get it. They don't understand why, uh, why he's, uh, what he's doing and how it's working. And then we think the next thing he does, he takes three, Peter, James and John, and he takes them up onto the mountain, the, ma- the transfiguration, where Jesus is revealed in his glory. And there's almost this sense of remember who I am? I am the Son of God who has come to earth and I'm going to restore the kingdom. I'm bringing the kingdom to bear. And Mark chapter 9, verse 32, (laughs) they did not understand what he meant and they were even afraid to ask him. People, we know the truth of that statement too, don't we? We're still trying to work out who Jesus is, how he works in our lives, what it means to have the kingdom come on earth to live in the fullness of who we are. And I think over the coming months as we journey through the Gospels again, that God's going to speak to us. God's going to reveal to us and teach us and remind us again uh, what it means to follow him. That we uh, will be fishers of people. And it's much broader. So when, often, when we think, often when we think, oh, we're fishers of men, we just think that's evangelism. We think... Oh, yeah, so Jesus is uh, bringing, you know, he's coming to disciple everyone to be evangelists because you've got to go out and... The sense here probably of the uh, fishes of men is that you're going to cast the net of the kingdom. You're actually going to live out the kingdom. You're going to live out the values of this kingdom. And in that, the lost will be found. The blind will see. Justice will come. Mercy will reign uh, on this earth as it is in heaven. And what we do when we read the Gospels, you see, we read the Gospels with the rest of the New Testament. And so we understand now that as followers of Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit and that we are his church, his people that have been indwelled by his Spirit. And the role of the Spirit is to make us more like Jesus, to empower us, to live in peace and joy and patience and all of that, to empower us with his gifts so that we can display him to the world. And so that we know that as we journey this journey of discipleship and as we have our ups and downs, that God is with us through the power of his spirit. Just as Jesus said at the end, didn't he? I will be with you always through my spirit as he promised. So Jesus uh, has come to show us how to live this out on this earth. And we're going to explore that together over the coming months. So one thing I, I, I want us to be clear on as we move through, one thing that Jesus really clearly did while he was on earth, one of his master plan was to set up the church, was to get the church ready to continue his bringing of the kingdom and uh, preaching of the cross. So those two things 
the kingdom and the cross. And as we go through the New Testament, we see that. We see that they continue living out this idea of they lived very different lives because they lived according to kingdom values. They continue, in one of the New Testament, they continue to talk about the cross. They continue to talk about resurrection. They continue to talk about the new life that has come through Christ. And I put this quote in uh, the church letter this week. You can have a read. It's one that I found as I was just reading through this, uh, some uh, leadership stuff this week. And I just want to read it because I think as we're thinking about this discipleship thing, it's not just an individual thing, it's a church thing. And we see this emerging uh, through the rest of the New Testament, don't we? Just read this. God's hope for the world is the local church. The local church is his plan A. There is no plan B. God's agents of implementation are the people of the local church. Whether you be new believers, volunteers, lay leaders, church, uh, staff members, pastors, all are called to fulfill the Great Commission to go and make disciples. Christians are not just disciples, but we are tasked to make disciples. We must never forget that God didn't just save us from something, he saved us for something. The Great Commission calls us to develop, not just to do. We must make disciples, not just be disciples. We must build an army, not just an audience. And this discipleship, this moving people in following Christ, is the heart of his mission for the church. As he established the church, he said, this is what I want you to do. This is how the kingdom comes. This is how the church is proclaimed, through my people, through my spirit-empowered people. And so, as we flick to the next slide... Uh, as we see Jesus' master plan being revealed, so works out that he must have read One Hope's master plan. No. No, but I'm serious. We put this up here because we believe that the plan and the vision that God has for this church is aligned to what Jesus wanted his people to do on earth. That Jesus' plan was to grow disciples. It wasn't just to grow disciples. It was to care for people as he moved amongst people and he had compassion and he had empathy and he brought justice and he brought mercy. Uh, it wasn't uh, just uh, for those people that in he knew, he, he wanted this to reach the world. He was sending his uh, disciples to the end of the world. He wanted this to be multiplied. And so the end of the world, as I always, we often say it, often gets thrown out, the end of the world is the people that work next to us the people that live next to us, the people that visit Cabell Kitchen, the people that are in Uganda as well. He's called us to reach that. And that at the centre of his people is always Jesus and his cross and that we never lose sight of that and that we are constantly moving people around Jesus and following him and seeking to live out his plan for us. Um, and I know it's a bit of a confusing picture, but I still uh, like it. And I think it conveys this, this sense of this constant movement of God's people as we seek to help each other become followers of Jesus and live out his kingdom plan on this earth. And what Satan and his cohort will do 
was constantly get us to take our eyes off Jesus and put it on ourselves or the world or the things around us. I had a tweet come through this morning and it said this. It said, Satan will always get us to look at our sin and our shortcomings rather than our saviour. Because we, we think we can't do this. This discipleship thing is too hard. I haven't got what it takes to do it. Look at how I live. I was going to say, just look at the way the disciples did it. <laughs> how many mistakes they made. How far they got it wrong. And yet Jesus said, I'm choosing you. Remember, I chose you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. And I will empower you to do this. So we look to our Saviour, our Christ, uh, our cross. And as we, you know, we celebrated the supper this morning, we remember who we are as God's people. So as we think about this master plan, we're asking the question, how am I living it out? Who's helping me do it? Who am I helping to do it? Um, I thought about, if we go to the next slide, if we thought about this, um, how are we living this mission and this plan? We've got to keep asking that as individuals, but as a church, are we actually living this out? Are we seeing uh, followers of Christ growing? Uh, are we seeing more disciples made? Uh, who's helping us do that? And I've got just down the bottom, what's the context of this? Families, we've talked about that already, that family context, family discipleship. Uh, and something that we're wanting to focus on this year in particular is grow groups, which are accountability groups, groups of three people, of the same three or four people, same sex. Um, the idea is to um, hear what God's saying to us, to hold each other accountable to living, following Jesus, and to pray for those um, and engage with those um, who don't yet know Jesus, to help others follow Jesus. And so um, we're encouraging that, and it's been really good to see a num numbers of people get into grow groups. Uh, if, if you want to be part of one of them, please speak to me. These are a great discipling mechanisms. As we look at our life groups and we think about our life groups this year, is what does it mean for our life group to be on the mission of Jesus? Are we living out the mission of Jesus in that place? Um, and then uh, wrapping it up, we'll go to the last slide. Um, just people, don't forget to keep our eyes on Jesus and his words to us as his disciples, his words to his disciples as he's left, all authority is mine and I am with you and I am sending you this. I have faith in you to be able to do this. I'll give you my spirit to be able to do this. And so even though we think we might be weak and broken vessels, Jesus reminds us to keep in step with his spirit, to remain in him, to ask his spirit to work through us Jesus didn't just dump this on his disciples and say, now you go and do it, all the best. He said, no, I'm going to empower you to do this. That's what it means for me to go to the cross, that you'll be empowered because one after me will come upon you. And you know, those amazing words that you will do greater things than this. God's greater work is being worked out through you and me. Broken, messed up sinners that he has chosen to make disciples to see his kingdom come to see his will be done on earth as it is in heaven and so as we've celebrated the supper this morning 
we're reminded that's what the gospel does, doesn't it? It does two things. It confronts us, because <laughs> we recognise we haven't been doing it that well, and then it frees us. It confronts us and it frees us, and those two things are constantly happening. We're confronted, we repent and believe. We repent and we believe who we now are in Christ so that we can get on living as he called us to in making disciples. Being fishers of men as we cast the net of the kingdom into the world. As we look at those around us that God's put in our path to help us, to help them follow Christ and live out his kingdom. So may you go out with from here this morning encouraged and empowered that Christ has chosen you to bear fruit fruit that will last let's pray Lord Jesus we thank you again for who you are we thank you for who we are because of you we thank you that we as your people are spirit empowered body a spirit empowered family that we are your spirit-empowered people to display you to the world. We thank you that we have that relationship with you, that there is nothing that separates us from your love, that through the cross that we know that we are right with you and that you delight in us and that you rejoice over us. And that you now call us and empower us and send us into this world to be your disciples and to make other disciples. So this morning, we ask that you would help us to trust in you and that we would know the power of your spirit to live this out. In the name of Jesus, amen.